everyone and welcome back to Relationships Rock. I am so excited to be recording this episode, which might sound a little bit weird considering I'm talking about narcissism, but the truth is that I've always been fascinated by personality disorders. Narcissism is actually called NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder, and I have been fascinated by personality disorders ever since I started studying psychology way back in undergrad and what you know makes them unique and different. I'm actually going to put on my professor hat for a minute in order to give you a little bit of background. Whenever we think of a mental disorder, let's say for example, bipolar disorder, which is a mood disorder, or schizophrenia. So the truth is that there's actually very clear guidelines on how to diagnose it. If anyone has experienced or knows someone who has experienced bipolar disorder, for example, or an episode of mania or depression, it's very easy in comparison to diagnose, right? There's very clear guidelines. And there's also a very clear way to treat that, whether it is with specific medication, we know what works. And I will give like a caveat here. I remember once reading an article about someone with bipolar disorder, and they said that, yeah, like within three months, they were all good. They just took some medication and it worked. That's not exactly how it works, specifically something like bipolar, where they could end up taking lithium, which is a very, very specific drug that has a lot of side effects and it's very dangerous. You have to give it, you know, little by little. It could actually take up to two years to get the right dosage. So it's not so simple, but at least we know this medication works and there is a process for it, right? Whereas you have a whole category of personality disorders, which are almost impossible to diagnose, even if you are like a therapist, because, you know, it could be a personality quirk. And for the most part, there isn't really a clear guideline. The people who were born with that personality disorder were born like that. So it's not like there was a change of all of a sudden there was, you know, a manic episode or a depressive episode, or they had a hallucination. This is who they are, right? Just like some people are very intellectual or some people are very kind and giving. Someone could be, you know, lack empathy and they were always this way. So for them, it's not weird, right? There isn't something that they would even reach out for help for. In general, we say that a disorder becomes a disorder when it doesn't let you function normal in society. The truth is that somebody could have NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, and function fine. And for the most part, they do not think they have an issue. They were born like this. This is just part of their quote unquote personality. And the truth is that we all have our own quirks. And this is why I find it so fascinating because it is very, very difficult to diagnose. Most of the time, people with personality disorders are also very apt at uh, I wouldn't say necessarily tricking the therapist, but being able to tell them what they want to hear. Specifically, narcissists have this really this, this magic manipulation and a way to know exactly how to tap into another person's empathy, even if they themselves don't have it, which is also fascinating because, you know, opposites attract. Partially because, you know, it creates attraction but also partially because that is what we need, right? That is what we're lacking. So actually narcissists will almost always go for someone who is an empath, someone who's extremely empathetic and they're able to very easily manipulate that person, but it's also what they're missing. So it's it's kind of just like a side point. 
very interesting. So the reason why I began with this whole mini psychology lesson is because what I don't want anyone to do after this episode is to go back and say, oh, now I can diagnose the people that I went out with or this person I'm on a date with. I'm going to take out my pen and paper and, you know, and, and say if they're uh, a narcissist or not. It doesn't quite work like that. It is honestly very, very difficult. I have even seen therapists who did not pick up on someone being a narcissist or, you know, borderline, which is a different example of a personality disorder. I happen to find borderline the hardest to diagnose, to be honest. I remember one time I was speaking to somebody who had really suffered being married to a narcissist. And I forgot what comment I said to her, you know, something very specific. And she said to me, how do you know that? And her follow-up question was, who do you know that's a narcissist? Because unless you have seen it, there is no way that 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 that, that you know that. And it's it's honestly so true. You can study every textbook. You could end up getting your graduate degree from Columbia University, like I did, or even Harvard or any other Ivy League, and be, you know, the best in psychology and so forth. But the truth is that unless you have met someone with NPD, it is really hard to pick up on it. The crazy thing is that once you see it, you can't unsee it to the point where, and this is going to sound so crazy, it's not like I'm, you know, quote unquote, an NPD expert, but like I said, I am very fascinated by it. There have been times when I have picked up even just mannerisms, even someone texting me, I can pick up the way they write something. There's so many nuances. And if you ever meet someone in person who does have NPD, there's a certain way that they look and there's almost this mask they always keep and if you know exactly how to push a button the mask will slip it's actually really crazy to watch and then they almost flip you know they always tend to go when they're manipulating we'll discuss you know all the signs to recognize they tend to go very empathetic very very manipulative and the moment you kind of block that like over and over again they almost flip right away for like seconds and they turn into like nasty, like, like they threaten you. And then they go back to the empath because they realize that wasn't the right approach. But it is fascinating to, to see. And like, and like I said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. But for most people, um, until you have experienced it, it really is almost impossible. So even though this is called the episode of four signs you are dating and hopefully not marrying a narcissist, this is not guidelines for you to diagnose someone, but rather to say, Okay, these are four things we're going to discuss, which are major red flags. I know people love that phrase, you know, red flags, move away. But these are really four personality traits that are not healthy. And you shouldn't get into a relationship with somebody who is showing you this already in the dating stage. So whether they end up being a narcissist or not, it's kind of irrelevant. These are just tools for you to pick up on, hey, these are four signs of personality traits that are unhealthy and that I will not want to be in a relationship with this type of person who's already exhibiting this. So the actual definition for NPD is somebody who has very self-inflated thoughts of themselves, like inflated sense of self-importance. And also the attribute that is most connected to them is that they lack empathy and consideration for other people. So they tend to be seen as very manipulative and selfish. And at the same time, they also do have this really amazing ability 
to be very manipulative. They really are people persons. They um, tend to be very charismatic. And I will pause here for a second. There are different types of narcissists. Some say there's four main types, some say there's seven. I think I even read one, there was 21 types of narcissism. So there are different types. I'm just gonna kind of keep it generic so we don't turn this into like a psychology lecture. But for the most part, they are very good with people. So they are able to mask a lot of things and they are able to manipulate. And like I said, because the definition of a narcissist is somebody who lacks empathy, they tend to go for people who are extremely empathetic, which is why you have to kind of be aware of this. So with all of that introduction, without further ado, let's start discussing the four signs that you are potentially dating someone who has NPD and hopefully not marrying them. So the first one is called love bombing. Now you may have heard of this term and maybe this term requires its own whole episode, but it means that they come on really strong and very charming. I mean, whatever your image of Prince Charming is, or whatever beautiful, lovely, elegant girl who's like a dream, that's who they come, that is who they present. It is this love at first sight, but in a way that fulfills your ultimate dream. Narcissists are chameleons, really the very best, and they know how to make you fall in love. They know how to give you the appearance of the perfect, the appearance of a dream come true. You know, part of the beauty of shidduch dating is that there is a slow process, right? First you meet and slowly you get more attracted and then true love comes after that. If after the first or second date you think this person is too good to be true, right? They are perfect. Then that's a red flag, for sure a yellow flag that should make you stop and analyze the situation. No one is perfect. You know, you don't get married to a perfect person. You marry someone who is perfect for you while you're aware, even if not fully aware, of some of their imperfections. And kind of just to expand on this, part of that, you know, love bombing is expressing love and things and expressions of love in a way that it's not really appropriate. When you're in it, you think, oh, wow, he's flirting with me, he's texting me, but they're actually pushing boundaries and coming on too strong. Now, for someone who potentially had, you know, their own trauma when they were younger or didn't experience love or is really devoid of love or really searching for love, this coming on strong is actually really charming and really attracting, right? Because it's like, wow, this guy's finally expressing himself. I never had that. Or, or you know, they're coming up with, you know, flowers on the second day. Again, in the shidduch world, that's not really so normal. I'm not saying anything wrong with bringing flowers, but just them expressing it very, very, you know, strongly. If they say, I've never felt this before on a first date, or I think I want to marry you, anything like that, it's just not appropriate. And it's not really the right kind of process. Even if they're thinking it, it's very different than expressing it. And they do express things in many ways, very straightforward, but in a very, very charming way. So if you are thinking this person is perfect, this is too good to be true, that's a moment for you to stop and reflect. And one of the things, you know, I tell people is, you know, infatuation is when you think that someone's perfect. No one is perfect. So this actually leads us to number two. The number two sign that you're potentially dating a narcissist is that they're perfect. 
you know, in your eyes, they're perfect. And this is the key here. In their own eyes, they are also perfect. They do not apologize. Even when they apologize, it's a reflection on your mistake versus their mistake. For example, I'm sorry you felt that. Instead of so saying sorry, I said that, right? They kind of flip it. This is, you know, another term, gaslighting. You know, they, they kind of make you believe that you were the issue. You know, one of the most important things in a lasting relationship is accountability, is being able to say, I made a mistake. I was wrong. I am sorry. I am going to do X, Y, and Z to change that or to work on that. Somebody who very early on gives the impression that they're perfect. They do not make mistakes and you are lucky to be with them. That is, again, something to make you stop and reflect. The importance of accountability, I have discussed here before on this podcast. I believe I specifically mentioned it when you're dating somebody who went through a divorce. The importance of that person being able to say, hey, this is where I can be held accountable. It is a very important human trait to be able to say, I am sorry, I apologize. And when someone thinks they're perfect, which is the definition of narcissism, they have an inflated sense of self-importance, they will almost make you feel guilty for what you did, even though they're the ones who hurt you. It, again, it, it's a very big manipulation, but this is kind of how you can pick up on it in very simple terms. Number three. Now, here's the interesting thing with number three. In general, when you, when you meet a narcissist, right, they start with the love bombing. They build you up. They literally inflate you like a balloon, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I met you. I've never met anyone who is so fill in the blank, right? And that blank is filled with your best qualities because they know exactly what to say. And they boom, they drop you. They put you down. And here's the key. You don't feel comfortable. After being in a relationship with them, you're comfortable. You're uncomfortable. It's very, very subtle. It's maybe you're anxious, the, the usual. Maybe you feel less than. You start to wonder if you have lived your life wrong your whole life. Like they make you question your whole reality. Like things you thought, all of a sudden you're less confident. You rely more on them. You almost lose your independence. And this eventually leads them to taking you away from family and friends which is always in a very subtle way, right? Like it could be like guilting you like, oh, you always spend time with your friends. Like I love you. If you love me, you want to spend more time with me. Or by saying that your family and friends don't like them. Um, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but one of the, the main things that a narcissist, anyone who's manipulative will try to do is to isolate you. Because when you're isolated, nobody can come and, and help you or save you or tell you, hey, that person has an influence on you. So they will actually slowly, again, they build you up and they, they, they put you down. They, they almost want to break your self-esteem, make you completely rely on them. And they push you away from your family and friends. You know, they say things like, if you love me, you would spend more time with me. They use the word love, they, they're very manipulative, right? To keep you away from people who actually love you and who would interfere. And what they do is that all the people who they see as a threat, somebody who could prevent them from manipulating you, they will very subtly put ideas in your head. Well, they don't love you. Your family doesn't like you. Your friends, they keep you away from me. I, your friend was flirting with me. Like whatever they can do to kind of isolate you so that you feel that you can only rely on them because 
when you are only relying on them, they have you exactly where they want, which is manipulation. So in psychology, there's a concept of reinforcement when you're learning about educational psychology, how you get people to do things by reinforcing or punishment. And there's something called schedules of reinforcement. Like if you think about gambling, when you're playing a game and kind of figuring out how addicting it is, it's really all based on the schedule. Is it that every time you play, you win? Is it that every 15 times you play, you win? And actually the strongest reinforcement schedule is the one where you play and you will never know if you're going to win or not. It is the most addicting. And that's just good to know in terms of what things are addicting in life. But aside from that, people who are manipulative will often do this hot and cold, you know, you're going to get me in a good mood, you're going to get me in a bad mood. You never know what you're going to get. They're loving. And when they're loving, oh my gosh, the sun shines on you and then they're cold 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 and then and then they're hot again and then they're cold this is literally a manipulation technique and very very powerful you know in general people and relationships should be stable right a hot and cold that's a game that people play and should also kind of make you aware of maybe something here is not right and, and, I, and I think i mentioned it already but i'll mention it now at any point that you're unsure of what's happening in the relationship you're in, reach out to somebody. You are never alone. If you already have someone in your family that you can trust or a mentor, that's amazing. If you don't, reach out to a coach. Always get good recommendations so that you know you're getting somebody who you know will, will help you make a decision, not make a decision for you, and so forth. But Baruch Hashem, in our lives, you know there are so many people around us that I really do believe Hashem puts in there to help us and to guide us. So take advantage of that. Even when you're dating, you're never, you never really should feel 100% alone. There's always somebody around you who could help. This is related to the idea that you really have to be in touch with your feelings while you're dating. You know, even if you could think, oh, well, intellectually, like, I really like this person. They're so good for me. Like, I could never get someone even better. But if you're not feeling good, like, you feel less than you almost have to realize, wait a second, why am I feeling that? It's actually something fascinating. A lot of times when your quote-unquote gut feels like something is wrong, you will physically respond in a way that, like, you're almost sick, right? Like, there's something when you're with that person or afterwards that makes you feel not comfortable. And because, especially with narcissists, there is this huge manipulation you have to kind of be aware of what is my body telling me? Like, how am I physically and emotionally responding to this person? Not just in an intellectual way, which is how they get in, right? Well, through emotions, but intellectually meaning like, you know, you can't leave me. Everyone in my life has left me. I need you. You need me, you know, and so forth. Actually, like, a, like for me, kind of like a litmus test that I like to do for myself with anything Anytime that I'm going to give to someone, whether it is in parenting or just, you know, with any loved one or in life is if I feel guilty and the guilt is what is sparking my decision to give, that to me is like literally a red flag, like a, like, like, like a sign of like, okay, you're not giving from a good place. It's not coming from a place of love. It's not coming from a place where it is healthy. It's coming from a place of guilt. In general, when people do things and you feel guilty, because nobody can make you feel anything, right? You 
it's how you internalize it. But when you feel guilty, to me, that feels like someone is trying to manipulate. A lot of times people who manipulate don't do it on purpose. And narcissism is different, but there are people, especially, you know, if they have abandonment issues, um, that's a very common one, or if they struggle emotionally where that is how they've learned to communicate. The way they communicate is through guilt. It's still not healthy. And if you find yourself doing things out of guilt, being nervous to leave someone because what could happen to them? Am I going to hurt them? When you are dating, right? You are not on a team with anyone. You're on a team with yourself. And you are, this is when you have the opportunity to make a decision. Do I want to invest in this relationship? You know, I didn't like discuss in depth the concept of gaslighting. I'm probably going to leave that for a separate episode. Gaslighting is also quote unquote a sign that you're dating maybe somebody who's a narcissist or just a very unhealthy thing. And that's, again, we're kind of, it's all on the same topic of they shift your reality. It's almost like what you thought was, isn't. Things that you were sure about, you're not. You know, they tell you, you did this. Uh, they, they almost flip it on you. You know, a very common thing that I've seen is if you express, you know, something like, oh, I felt hurt or something like that, they will flip it on you. And all of a sudden they become the victim, right? Like, like they, they gaslight you, they change your reality. You start to question, am I sane? <laughs> like, am I normal? Do I like almost all of these things that you thought were good? You kind of start to question, like life is no longer black and white. It is very, very gray. And the only light and guidance in your life is this person. So again, we're not diagnosing, but these are all things to keep in mind that are unhealthy in a relationship, in a, in a relationship between two healthy people. The ideal is that you're building each other up. There's also space for each person to continue to grow and develop. And you develop together, bringing out the best of each other. And last, but certainly not least, the fundamental sign that you're with somebody who is not a healthy person to be with, whether they are narcissists or not, is that they are the victim, always and forever. You know, when they're sharing their life story, they're the victim. When they're explaining what went wrong in past relationship, you guessed it, they are the victim. When they're explaining why someone in your family or your friends doesn't like them, they're the victim. This is really similar to that idea of lack of accountability. They are never wrong, and everyone who's against them is, you know, the problem. And you are this chosen unicorn who will protect them and have truly loved them. And again, because they start off with this story of I'm the victim, I'm the victim, the way that they get you to be really stuck on them is they kind of create this illusion of I need you, you could save me, you understand me. And it's almost this quote unquote codependency that's unhealthy. But in reality, they're not dependent on you. They are using that to manipulate you. So if somebody, again, in their life story, everything wrong always happened to them, they are the victim in life, that's a problem. Whether they're a narcissist or not is irrelevant. You need to have accountability in your life. Even people who have suffered, even people who had a very difficult upbringing, it can't be that they never made any mistake in their life. Because somebody who doesn't have accountability, you know, when you get married, what happens when they do something wrong? If it's always going to be, you know, reflected back on you, that's obviously not healthy. You know, whenever people ask me about red flags, 
and I discuss this in the red flags episode. So I believe there's two umbrella red flags, like the kind of everything else falls under it. And part of that is because they're actually part of what defines a narcissist, which is the worst type of um, personality trait that wants to manipulate you. And it's something that you should really stay far, far away from. And one of those is that the person alienates you from your family and friends. And the reason why I put that in there is because that is exactly what a narcissist does, right? They, the goal of a narcissist is to control you, to manipulate you. And they can't do that if there are loved ones around you who would stop them or who could open up your eyes. So the way that they're able to succeed in their manipulation is that the person ends up feeling super, super alone. Like they have nobody else and all that they could trust and be with is that narcissist. You know, somebody who truly loves you would never want you to take away from your family and friends, right? They will never push you away from loved ones or to make you feel alone, right? That that doesn't, that's not what a healthy person would do. A healthy person would want to expand love, to be part of your inner circle, to also learn to love your family. Not that everyone who you marry is going to love all of your friends or all your family, but they will never want to isolate you. And this leads me to my second umbrella red flag, which is, you know, they put you down and you feel less than. Someone who truly loves you wants you to be your best self. They want you to be your happiest self. It's not attractive to be with somebody who's unhappy. You want somebody to be their best self. And that includes getting love from others. And it includes getting love from yourself, building you up. If someone's putting you up, down, maybe not initially, but later on, even if it's in a joking manner, or when you're with them, you feel less than, right? Like not good enough. Like you say, I'm not good enough for this person. They're too good for me. They're, I'm so lucky. I should be blessed. But when you reflect back, you actually weren't happy, right? Then that's a problem. No one is doing you a chesed by marrying you. You have a lot to offer. And if anyone makes you feel like they're doing you a chesed and you owe them, you should probably run. So I was so excited to record this episode. I feel like I flew through the information. I hope that you learned some tidbits as well as some thought-provoking things. I want to end off with some spot-on quotations from famous writers and speakers who have themselves, you know, even poets, philosophers, who have weighed in on narcissism really ever since early human history. And they're going to actually, you know, give you some insight into even some questions to ask, you know. So one of them is, if you want to go from being adored to devalued in the blink of an eye, simply insult the narcissist. If they literally flip, you know, I, I mentioned this when they have that kind of mask slip, right? Right away, they kind of, they go from that super sweet empath to like threatening you. And then they go back to that. Like, it's almost like a flip. That's how you can kind of sense, hmm, in a blink of an eye, super quick, you actually saw their true self. Um, another quote that I actually really liked, ask this person, please name three other people who are smarter and more capable than you in the field that you work on. And actually, this is a really good question to ask because a narcissist will never see someone as better than them. They will never see somebody as actually smarter, more capable than them. Now, obviously, like I said, you know, they are very manipulative. So if they know what you're trying to ask, it won't work. But if you, in discussions with them, you say, oh, who do you admire? 
Who do you look up to? And then always ask for examples, always kind of delve a little bit, you know, deeper. You're going to get some more information there. And this is the last idea I want to leave you with. This is actually by a writer, uh, Sam Vaknin. I said the following, narcissists install a mental filter in our heads a little bit at a time. Will he get upset if I do say, think this? Will he approve, disapprove? Will he feel hurt by this? Until we can uninstall, until we can uninstall the narcissist filter, our actions are controlled by narcissists to some degree. This is really, you know, important to kind of hear because I mentioned to you how you kind of start doubting your own reality. So what happens is you almost become this, like, I, like he said, a, a mental filter in your head where you're doubting your own reality. And whenever you take a step, you think, what will this person think or say or do? Will he feel hurt by it? Remember how I told you that, you know, uh, codependency that's not healthy, this I need you. Everybody else in my life left me. You need to stay with me. You need to save me. So they kind of use all this manipulation. So when you're making a decision, if you're making a decision based on what somebody else might do or say or think, that is a red flag. That's something that should make you stop and kind of think about. And then, okay, fine. I'm going to do one more. <laughs> this is so good. This is by another writer, Jeffrey Kugler. He says, there's a reason narcissists don't learn from mistakes, and that's because they never get past the first step, which is admitting that they made one. These are all tips for you in conversation to bring it up and to be able to, you know, say to them, tell me a lesson you learned in life, a mistake you've made in life, and so forth. I want to end off with an idea that it's not really related to narcissism or anything like that, but just a point that I think is really important to make. You know, I always speak to my coaching clients as well as when I do workshops about the importance of figuring out the patterns in your life, the patterns in your relationships. What happens is, you know, when you have a tikkun in this world, I'm going to get super spiritual here. A tikkun is a, a rectification that your neshama came to do. You are always going to be attracted to the people who are going to make you work specifically on that, which is why if someone, let's say, was in a, in, a, in a marriage that didn't work out, it was very unhealthy. It's not like they quote-unquote messed it up. There still has to be some accountability. The accountability comes in realizing, why was I attracted to this person? Why did I think that was normal? Why did I not recognize the red flags? You know, for anyone here who grew up with whatever sort of trauma, whatever sort of home, it's so important that when you're dating, you are aware of all this information that's coming behind you, of what you think is normal, you know, what glasses you were wearing as a kid, what are the relationships that you saw, and what are the patterns in your own relationships that you might say to me, well, I just started dating, like, I, I, don't, I don't know, I have never had a boyfriend, I've never had a girlfriend, but you could think about the friends that you're quote-unquote attracted to, the kind of people who you were always drawn to, the more that you analyze your patterns and you realize why am I drawn to these people, even if they're not healthy, it will help you reframe what is healthy. You know, I, I once saw this quote, but something on the lines of when you grew up in an unhealthy home, red flags are not red, they're just flags. So if you know that there's something in your own family dynamic or your own childhood or person or background that was 
difficult. You may not see flags as red. You may just see them as flags waving at you, welcoming you in. We're also drawn to that which feels familiar. We're drawn to that which feels comfortable. So if you had a parent relationship that wasn't healthy, you might always be drawn to that because you think that is normal. Now, again, if I asked you intellectually, you would say, of course, I would never be drawn to that. But when you look at the patterns, you see who are the friends that you want to be with? Who are the friends that you're drawn to? This is not to say, chas v'shalom, that you're in any blame. But I think that, you know, I always say the goal of this podcast was really to get people to think, to think and to apply and to question. And I think that in the journey of dating, in the journey of life, we come across all sorts of relationships and some of them rock and some of them can be quite rocky. And I think when we take accountability for our own actions, but also look at the patterns, look where we're attracted to, we can also prevent a lot of the relationships that end up being really, really unhealthy. So if you listen to this and you were kind of like, oh yeah, like I, I unfortunately was with a narcissist and I, everything you're saying makes sense. That's wonderful. That means that, that you know, you recognize it, but also think about for yourself, maybe reach out to somebody. Why were you drawn to them? What are the patterns in your life and what are you doing differently? If some of this doesn't even sound red flaggy, right? Or maybe because of the family background you grew up in, this sounds normal, maybe question that. Or if none of that is applies, but you felt like, you know what, I got from here some tips on how to kind of question some things and how some things may, a personality trait may come off as positive, but really it's actually for me to question, then that's also, you know, part of my goal. I always joke around that almost every question I ask, whether my status or on the podcast or topic is hashtag love yourself. And part of that is because when you truly love yourself and you have worked and developed and healthy self-esteem, it really is a protection from people coming in and trying to manipulate you and breaking you down and you attracting something that is not good for you. Because part of the mental work that you have to do when you really get to a point of true hashtag love yourself is you have worked on these patterns, you have realized your worth, you feel that you are worthy of receiving. I and mean, there's so much to talk about here, whether it is attachment theory, and again, those patterns, the ability to receive, the feeling that you are worthy of receiving, that you're worthy of saying, I need X, I want Y, and somebody is able to give that to you. All of that comes from having developed a true healthy self-esteem and Look, we all have our own life that was set out for us for whatever reason because of our tikkun by Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We all have to work on these things. This is not like your problem if you doubt yourself or you feel uncomfortable receiving from other people. But the more that you work on that now, before you're in a relationship, the healthier it is. What you're going to be attract. As always, I hope that these are thought-provoking um, episodes and ideas. But you can always reach out for one-on-one -on -one coaching. And if you want to kind of delve into this deeper, as always, the goal is to get you to think. And I hope that all of your relationships should rock. They should not be rocky and they should be filled with bracha matzlacha. We'll talk soon. Hi, everyone. It's Raquel from the future. I just wanted to add something in based on some comments and questions that I got after the episode was released. So I started off the episode explaining what a personality disorder is, which by definition 
has no cure, no set treatment, right? you can't give medication for someone to become more empathetic. And at the same time, it's not really treatable by therapy because the prerequisite for therapy working is somebody realizing that they have to work on something and wanting to. If somebody is born a narcissist, this has been them their whole life. There was no episode, there was no hallucination that other people around them would have said, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Maybe, maybe you should reach out for help. This is who they are. And for the most part, they are able to function in society. So for a narcissist to go to therapist, to, to therapy is super, super rare because they first have to make the cognizant decision to say, hey, I want to change who I am. And that rarely happens because by definition, a narcissist is somebody who has a grandeur sense of self as well as lack of empathy. So I kind of wanted to set that as the premise because that is a defining feature of a narcissist. It's somebody who if they were born this way, they, for the most part, do not want to change. And there is no treatment. There is no medication. There is no, you know, cure that you could just take and kind of cure yourself from this personality traits that make up this personality disorder. Another point I wanted to make is, you know, I got some questions of, well, what happens if you are already married to a narcissist? Now, this is a complicated question to answer because I'm talking in a podcast episode. This is not a one-on-one conversation where we could kind of analyze it better. I think the first step is figuring it out if you are actually married to a narcissist or if it's just somebody who is exhibiting some narcissistic traits. Now, obviously in this episode, it was about dating. So when you're dating and you see any of these things, you know, you're out. In a marriage, especially if there's kids involved, oftentimes the calculation is very different. There are a lot more factors. Now, with a very black and white answer, if somebody is an actual narcissist, um, it's black and white. I mean, you cannot stay married to somebody who has no empathy, who will manipulate you and control you and use you. That's not a partnership. And that's also not healthy for children to grow up thinking that's normal because you will become the blueprint of what they think is normal. But I am not trying to encourage anyone here to run and get divorced. You have to have this conversation with a pro. You have to reach out to somebody. You have to really see if the person who you're with is an actual narcissist, or you're just in a really bad place in marriage where we think the worst of the person, which happens all the time. You know, every marriage has problems. I don't think um, we're meant to suffer in life. We are meant to work through things, but there are some things that are unworkable. So I feel like if you are married and you're not sure if you're married to a narcissist, reach out to somebody, find out if you are, and then with that pro, figure out what the next steps are. I do want to end with just one thought, kind of like a, a big umbrella disclaimer. I have seen people who have narcissistic traits that they developed as a response to childhood trauma, and they're not necessarily, they they don't lack empathy in everything. It's oftentimes in a very specific situation or relationship. It's really a defense mechanism. If they were very, very hurt, especially as children, they kind of will put up this, you know, heart in their heart, have a, a more selfish outlook in certain areas in order to protect themselves. That is not the same as a narcissist. There's so much more to say. I literally could speak for hours on this topic. I just want to put that idea out there. The feedback for this episode was honestly amazing. As always, you could always reach out 
whether it is with questions, comments, for a session, for coaching. I wish everyone had slacha. We will talk soon. Thank you.